0: Hi, this is Mark Kiskowitz, Editor-at-Large for MMNM, and welcome to the MMNM Podcast. Underrepresentation of Black and Hispanic patients in oncology trials has been a long-standing problem. One study last year in the Annals of Internal Medicine found that of nearly 62,000 patients who were enrolled in clinical trials between 2014 and 2018 that led to the approval of cancer drugs, Black patients made up roughly just 7% of enrollees. Other studies put the figure as low as 3%, and that goes for all cancer types, from breast and prostate to lung, hematologic cancers, leukemia, and multiple myeloma. This discrepancy, researchers wrote, results in failed opportunities to understand how cancer biology and pharmacology of cancer medications differs among people of color, and that could have serious ramifications when we're talking about selecting cancer drugs, for instance. Well, one healthcare marketing network decided to do something about it. FCB Health Network recently launched a pro bono initiative designed to highlight the profound need for racial equality in clinical trials. The editors at MMNM were impressed with this campaign, both from a creative and a strategic perspective, so we extended an invite to FCB to come talk about it. My special guest today is Dr. Summer Bazuro, Chief Medical Officer across FCB Health Network's U.S. and EU offices. Hey, Dr. Bizzuro, how are you?
1: Good morning, Mark. How are you?
0: I'm fine, thanks. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, before we get to the interview with Summer, just some quick housekeeping notes. The brand has a number of initiatives that are going on, but just a few that are near term. Uh, two of our awards programs have their deadlines this week. The MMN and Pinnacle Awards, which celebrate marketers for their career achievements, uh, are due to close up on March 3rd, and the Brand Film Awards are due to close up on March 4th, so please contact us right away if you want to submit an entry for either of those programs. Meanwhile, here's class of MMM 40 Under 40, uh, which highlights the youth movement in healthcare marketing, is live on our site. And the virtual award ceremony is coming up March 25th, so you can register for that. Um, The MMM Awards, now in their 18th year, are open for nominations. The first deadline is coming up April 21st. And we'll be doing our annual uh, Awards Uncovered webcast on March 11th. Uh, So tune in for tips and how-tos for crafting a winning award submission from two veteran jurors. That'll be next week. I'll be hosting that. Okay, back to the interview with Summer. So let's just, I thought, get started um, with your impressive background. After your academic career, which included stints at Yale, uh, then UPenn, where you earned your PhD, followed by a postdoc research fellowship at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, uh, you made the jump to marketing starting at ProHealth. Why did you decide to transition to promotional advertising?
1: You know, during my time at uh, Sloan Kettering, I really started to consider what my options might be outside of academia. I wanted to find a way I could utilize my scientific background outside of bench research, um, and I discovered healthcare advertising. I started in medical communications at ProHealth, and then I um, p- pivoted to promotional advertising.
0: Well, certainly, um, you know, in, in the medcoms area, uh, there's, there's no shortage of need for uh, your expertise. Let's discuss the pro bono initiative. Uh, it's, it's called the Trial for Clinical Equality. And uh, its soft launched in November, as I understand it, but, but uh, made its formal debut uh, February 4th, which kind of coincided uh, with World Cancer Day. There's a, s- a series of three ad- print ads, I should say, uh, designed to highlight the profound need for racial equality in clinical trials. It was set to run in major publications. Uh, you have a campaign website, clinicalequality.com. You know, the creative approach is very striking, you know, utilizing black and white photography um, and, uh, you know, representative patients, although not real patients. Tell us how it came about and, and why now?
1: Sure. It's an excellent question, Mark. Um, this has certainly been a, lar- a longstanding problem. Part of what uh, medical directors do is to always ensure that our creative campaigns and the accompanying copy is on strategy. And not only compelling for the audience, but also accurate and aligned with the incidence of disease, the patient demographics and the clinical data. So in making sure that those factors were aligned, it came to my attention that the patient demographics and some of our clinical trial data was not always aligned to the true incidence of disease across racial groups. This would potentially then limit us as an agency in terms of how we would be able to represent those patients in ads. So I then began to look at how pervasive the issue might be. Given my background in oncology and, you know, the level of innovation that has occurred in this space over the last 10 to 15 years, I started to dig into how racially inclusive oncology trials in particular were across multiple tumor types and found that they had not been at all. So first of all, many trials don't report the racial mix of patients. And when they do, it's sometimes incomplete Um, as, for example, not showing all the different types of Asian patients that might be included. They just sort of bucket everyone into one group. Um, But for the trials that do report on race, it showed that Black and Hispanic patients were not included to match or even come close to the incidence of the tumor types in those patient populations. This research began in 2019 at FCB Health. And so we then began discussing how we might start to address the problem. And our brainstorming and discussions happened, you know, even before our country was forced to reckon with this intersection of racial injustice and healthcare disparities in 2020. Um, But of course, in 2020, it became clear to us that we needed to take action immediately. Um, Racial inequity in healthcare is a huge problem, and the root causes are multifactorial. So in order to be successful, we, we felt like we needed a clear starting point. We focused our efforts at the beginning of the journey, you know, the stage, the clinical trial stage, because it has a tremendous impact on all of the other milestones a patient might experience. And we chose oncology because the stakes are very high. When you're enrolled in oncology clinical trial, it can often mean the difference between life and death. So that's kind of the genesis of how this campaign came about.
0: Yeah, thank you. I and mean, it's, it's a really good point. I mean, first of all, that, as you found, the data are not representative of disease incidents, which limits uh, your ability as marketers to appropriately craft communications. But also, um, you know, the, the point that, you know, just having underrepresentation is a good chance that it leads to unnecessary you know, mortality uh, and morbidity, because, as you say, being able to participate in in what could be a life-saving clinical trial is could be the matter of of life and death.
1: We have had some treatments in oncology that has extended life for patients, you know, for example, in melanoma, metastatic, uh, non-small cell lung cancer, tremendously, Um, and prior to that, you know, patients would have a much shortened life expectancy. So you can imagine being able to participate in these clinical trials before the drugs have been approved, is a matter of life and death for many patients.
0: Mm -hmm. We've talked about that with FCB in the past, in in the context of uh, the uh, immuno-oncology drugs that that you guys uh, have in your portfolio. As you noted in a statement, Uh, You sought to, quote, unquote, raise awareness about the issues that contribute to disparities, including lack of access to trials, restrictive trial inclusion criteria, and recruitment policies, implicit bias, and patient mistrust of the healthcare system. Talk about how those themes or issues are reflected in the ads themselves.
1: Right. So, you know, to us, the issue is really very black and white. And you can see that the palette we chose is very stark and drives that home, right? Right. We wanted people to feel the intensity, the humanity of the patients. So the photography really had to make you feel something. Um, it had to also have a certain level of intimacy where the patient is looking directly at you and 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 imploring you to be included, right? To not be excluded from clinical trials. We felt that the bold language we used, and you know, combined with the font that has a very legal feel further pulled in pulled us into a a social justice space, helping us to drive home our message here. So for for me and for FCB Health Network, this is not just a scientific issue. It's a moral issue, the fact that we're excluding people. But it certainly is a scientific issue. Um, We are drawing clinical conclusions from data that cannot be generalizable to the entire patient population. and, And that's wrong. And we need to do something about it.
0: Right. Again, very, very well stated. You're you're drawing clinical conclusions from from data that are not completely representative, which, which is a real problem. And you point out in the ads, each one, I think, has a little stat where one of them says African-Americans make up only 3% of participants, yet they represent 22% of the total expected incidence of cancer in the U.S. Um, African-Americans make up 13% of the U.S. population, but only 3% of participants. You know, So they're, they're very targeted. And again, the ads have real stopping power, kind of an arresting creative approach um, and you, as you said, they're they're not real patients, uh, but they are representative. Uh, but I understand you have plans to include real ones in the future. It, talk about that a little, you know, and and the strategy behind you know the the creative approach a little bit more, if, if you don't mind.
1: So certainly, you know, in a in a post global pandemic world, um, being able to partner with patient advocacy groups or use real patients. Um is certainly something that we want to explore and and try to do. We certainly tested some of it with patients, and they found that it it resonated. Um, a lot of the patients, the black and Hispanic patients that we spoke to to test the concepts against, um, they, you know, said that they had experienced um, you know, disparities and and not being clearly told about clinical trials. So that is definitely something that we are going to explore. Okay. and you okay. know Great. for moving the campaign ahead yes you mentioned you know the the lack of access to clinical trials is it's a multifactorial problem there's not just one contributing factor right you definitely have um you know some historical mistrust of the healthcare system you have implicit and explicit bias at play you have um the logistical hurdles that patients may face in terms of having access um, that may be tied to their socioeconomic status. So being able to take time off of work and do all of the check-ins that are associated with a clinical trial, um, all these things come together. Um, oncologists getting the support that they need to appropriately recruit um, patients of color in their clinical trials. You know, they're, they're very busy and it's a, it's a life and death situation that they're dealing with every day. Uh, they need support. You know, all these things come together. Um, And then, of course, some of the clinical trials, the inclusion and exclusion criteria are very restrictive. So just by nature of the way that the trial may be designed um, may not uh, take a community approach to really being um, inclusive. So these are all things that need to be tackled.
0: Right. People might not realize, but there seems to be more of of a recognition now that uh, certain clinical trial recruitment strategies could have implicit bias um, from all walks of life, you know, that might not be able to do, as you say, those regular check-ins on site or during daytime hours and you know, not making it convenient to time off from work, um, or say they don't have a broadband internet connection to do a remote you know monitoring type of situation. So also mention that um, the website asks, visitors to sign a petition to end racial disparity in clinical trials. Who, who is kind of the target audience here? You know, is, is it clinical development people or is it higher up the, the chain of, of executives in, in, in the industry?
1: It, it's, it's really broad given the multifactorial nature of the problem. It's, it's everyone. So it's certainly major cancer centers that run uh, a lot of the clinical trials. It's smaller hospitals. Um, the oncologists themselves, Patients, their allies, um, their families, patient advocacy groups, drug sponsors—all um, of it. Uh, these are these are all of the targets we want. Everyone invested because everyone it will it will require a multi-stakeholder approach for us to begin to address some of the issues, um, and it may also you know require governmental uh, um, support. So the FDA in 2019 did issue guidance. On uh, clinical trial diversity and and how um, drug developers might begin to um, attack the problem and be more inclusive, so they are aware. Um, just last week, the NCCN um, had a great webinar talking about you know their the findings of their working group and how to eliminate um, healthcare disparities across uh, oncology, and they also included clinical trials. So definitely there are people discussing this, but I feel that they're discussing it in silos and we need like a multidisciplinary group of people to start coming together to, in order to affect change.
0: Where are the ads appearing? Where are they running right, right
1: So they're currently running uh, in both print and digital specifically um, for print, we have the oncologist and JAMA Oncology. So they've graciously uh, given us advertising space in their journals. Um, we certainly plan on broadening our print and digital channels, and we've been fortunate to receive confirmation um, from several different organizations, including Lynx, uh, NCCN, The Oncologist, Cancer, Helio, and uh, Hemonk News, um, Medpage, PulsePoint, Adprime, just to name a few, um, to help broaden uh, our, our footprint and our advertising. Elsevier has certainly um, offered us space in multiple uh, journals that they run. So clinical lung cancer, genitourinary cancer, colorectal cancer, lymphoma, melanoma and leukemia, clinical breast cancer, and the Lancet oncology. So we've been really fortunate that, um, you know, these different organizations have seen the power of this campaign and have offered us space in their journals and on their websites.
0: The campaign, you know, seems to be a great example of, of multicultural marketing. You know, the ads feature authentic looking patients. Um, they're designed to address a very pressing medical need in the African-American, Hispanic and other minority communities. Why is there still a lot of creative out there that doesn't meet that bar?
1: Well, you know, this goes back to the issue that led us to delve into this problem in the first place. Right. Um, the disconnect between the real world incidents and the clinical trial population. So I can say that in health, right, in healthcare advertising, our communications have to be representative of the clinical trial population because that's who the drug was studied in and that's who the data represents. So if you have African-American and Hispanic patients only making up a small percentage of the trial population, then they can only be featured as a small part of the communications, right? We need to be able to... um, It really is an institutional problem, and that's probably why, at least in healthcare, there is still a lot of creative that is not meeting the bar.
0: Yeah, you you are limited to what you can say on the on the label, you know, to what the clinical trial data show. So it's, it's kind of a, a vicious cycle. Um, what's your experience been in making ads that address the health issues unique to communities of color? Have you found at any point in your career, say that the path to doing this kind of work was was less than, than clear for you?
1: As I mentioned, our hands are, are somewhat tied when it comes to the types of patients we can feature. There have certainly been instances where the clinical trial data has prevented us from prominently featuring uh, minorities in our communication, much to our great d- disappointment, um, uh, you know, for example, in dermatology, breast cancer, and, melanoma, and multiple myeloma, we face these types of issues. Even though we know that the incidence rates are substantial, and the you know, but we were in a situation where the clinical trials did not reflect that, and so the communications couldn't reflect that either. It's it's an ongoing problem, and it's very frustrating. Right. And so that's why we started to look to see how global the problem was and found, unfortunately, that it was very global. Um, for me, this path has always been clear as, as you know, something that needed to be done. And FCB Health is the type of network where this type of work is always, or always encouraged and pushed forward. So when we started to realize how global the problem was, when we began doing this type of research and sat down, um, with senior leadership, there was no hesitation on our part that we needed to do something about it and and get the word out and try to push in order to bring about change.
0: Yeah. I mean, put, putting aside the clinical trial situation for a moment, you know, the healthcare advertising industry as a whole Is evolving its ability to create branded and unbranded advertising that speaks effectively to communities of color, whether it's stimulating demand for drugs or devices, tests or health services. Obviously, the need is well understood at FCB Health Networks. But where would you say our industry is on that continuum, and what do we need to do to to get better in this regard?
1: I think our industry um, needs to sort of understand who they're, you know, the audience and who they're talking to and what what the mindset might be of some of the populations. Um, I think having diverse creative teams is a good start. So at least you have a diversity of opinion on your team when you're developing communications and when you're developing concepts, Um, we definitely need to do better there. Um, We've all seen in, you know, especially consumer advertising, some of the gaffes that have occurred with um, ads that have been produced that have not been appropriately sensitive, or really have missed the mark when it comes to thinking about the cultural differences of the target audience. One way we can address that is by having diverse teams and being more inclusive within the populations of our agencies, right? To make sure that there's someone there who can say, wait a minute, is this really the best course of action? Is this really going to be appropriate for our target audience? I think we have a long way to go in our industry in terms of, you know, correcting that dynamic on our internal teams. And then really thinking about how would this population like to receive information and where would they like to receive information? Not making assumptions, but really teasing out, you know, what would be the appropriate tone and, and um, way that we can truly speak to diverse uh, populations.
0: Those are all, you know, great points. You know, one of the other symptoms, if you will, of of the current situation and, and the the lack of uh, effective, you know, multicultural communications. Is that you know behemoth advertisers like Procter and Gamble or say Johnson and Johnson are not necessarily demanding it of their agencies that, that they have internal teams that are that are representative that leads to ads that, that miss the mark as you say you know without getting into specifics obviously with different clients do you see that changing anytime soon
1: I do see it changing certainly um, I do see in healthcare uh, specifically too that having more diverse teams and more uh diversity and ideas is is really really important i do see that changing slowly we definitely need to do a lot better but i do see in healthcare that there is you know a shift to having more diverse teams absolutely at fcb health network um you know having a diversity of opinion and thought and people with different types of backgrounds on our creative teams is tremendously important to us because you know you will miss the mark when you when you don't have that. You will all push an idea along if your if your team is homogeneous, and definitely not see that there could be some flaws or could there you know be some potential huge pitfalls to that idea if everyone is if everyone on the team is of the same mindset same background
0: when when there's only a handful of yeah. say. Um, black executive creative directors and group creative directors and, and strategists throughout the industry. And they're the ones uh, that are having the final say, you know, before creative goes out the door, you can imagine that it's a disaster waiting to happen. And we're not just talking about something like, uh, you know, Pepsi's ad with with Kyler Jenner, which was, you know, widely panned, um, or you know other other gaps as you put it when you have uh, internal teams not being representative, uh, but but the situation is changing uh, in, 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 the, in on the advertiser side you do see pharma starting to make strides and diversifying the workforce and uh, and increasing the numbers there. It's not just a matter of numbers either, right? It's 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 you can't just have one say person of color, you know, on on a. on a a marketing team because then they might not have the psychological standing to feel like they can't speak up you know you have to have a speak up culture and so forth so it is a multifactorial problem and 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 we can all play a role but thank you so much for uh you know discussing uh the issue with us and i want to thank you uh summer for a fascinating interview about a very pressing problem and kudos to you and scb Health Network for putting more of a spotlight on it.
1: It's been my pleasure, Mark. Anytime. Thank you.
0: We're going to call it there. You know, if you enjoyed this interview, please like the episode, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio programming. And uh, that'll do it for another episode of the MMNM Podcast. Take care, everybody.